Prepare to unlock your potential and conquer the business realm with Boss Uncaged. Join S.A. Grant, a seasoned entrepreneur, digital marketing expert, and branding specialist as he delves into exclusive interviews, strategies, and success stories from founders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives. Guiding you from overcoming challenges to dominating diverse media platforms, Boss Uncaged is your ultimate source for business and entrepreneurial insights. Subscribe, like, and share now to elevate your business game where the spirit of the uncaged boss runs free. Meet the visionary behind the Boss Uncaged Educational Network and Omnimedia, the one and only boss beast, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So we have VK here today, and his background is so, it's such an emotional story, but at the same time, it's an inspirational story. So it's kind of like so many different things we could talk about. We could talk about his successes, where he is right now. We could talk about his journey. I, I think if we can kind of fit all this in one hour, we're going to do ourselves <laughs> like, 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 like as best as we possibly can. So I'm going to nickname him the Live to Inspire Boss, naming him after his podcast. And it just makes perfect sense because that that's, that's who he is in all aspects of the word. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you? And, and, and again, you can kind of start off about where you want to start talking first. Oh, thank you for the great introduction, Grant. Thanks for having me as well. My name is Reed Krishna Lakinini. I'm the founder and CEO of ROI MediaWorks, a digital marketing agency that's been helping clients for the last 14 years, mostly West Coast and British Columbia. And uh, that success led me to doing so many other things like writing books and being an executive producer on some documentaries. And I did even give my TEDx speech back in 2017 or 2018. And I, I grew up in India and I always look back my childhood and think about what can I do more to inspire people? And that's where the Live to Inspire came out. And thankfully the COVID time, like I had plenty of time and I started the podcast as well. So it, I, I surround myself with the people that continuously inspiring others and then the, the collective community is what leads us into where we're going into the future. Because I know a lot of things change significantly since my childhood, the way the governments work and the way you trust other people. There, there are huge changes, the way the banks work and whatnot. So our kids and our grandkids are getting into something that's totally different than what we got used to. And we are the bridges here right now, really helping them to transition into that new world and how can we learn from our mistakes and how can we do better as humanity? And that's that's my purpose. I live with that all the time and I always work with nonprofits that's focused on children education, homelessness, and also human trafficking issues. Uh, so there are a lot of things that I uh, try to spend my time on, but where I want to get into is even doing more community work than I'm currently doing. And that, that's pretty much my retirement plan, I would say it that way. Hmm. I think it's definitely interesting that, you know, you brought up your, your TEDx talk and that, that was one of the topics that I want to talk about. I mean, that, that topic, the name of that topic was hope for a million kids. So I want you to kind of like, like premise, like your upbringing a little bit, because in that, that TEDx talk, you talked about it, you showed pictures, you talked about your mom. I want you to kind of like, you know, obviously we don't have as much time, but this is even an abbreviated version of that story. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's a great question. So hope for one million kids TED talk is basically showcasing a little bit of who I was and what I've been going through 
and how I changed such and things in my life that really helped me where I am today. And that I discussed some of my mentors and, you know, my parents and my teachers and what really the focus is showcasing the things that still not changed after 2000 years of civilization. We still have the homelessness issues and we still have child poverty issues. And, and I think my point is we, you and I didn't choose to be where we want to be born, right? Like what country, what color, what race, how much wealth I'm born into. And that's not the choices we made, but all of a sudden you're thrown into, thrown into the society that's kind of structured more in a capitalist way and nothing really focused on uh, human to human, you know, spirit connection, right? That's what I'm missing. And I, you know, through that TED talk, I try to focus on some other issues and encourage the audience to give back and support causes that are related to kids' education and poverty. Hmm. I think also in that video, you made a really solid point. And I think it was it's somewhere in the middle of it. You said that your mom was your first mentor. So I want yeah. to talk about that. Like, like again, like you were saying you were raised up in poverty. Like what, what, what did your mom do that mentored you to make you to who you are right now? You know, it's the unconditional love, right? Like I think moms are the best example to showcase that. Like even with my own children there, the mom is amazing. Like no matter what you do, you can always go back and find that support. Right. You have your parents, but again, sometimes dad is always dad, but you always go back to your mom. Like, can I have this like $2 or can I do this? Or I messed up. Like I need help. Daddy's going to beat me up. Right. So I mean, that solid foundations really helped me that, okay, I can trust people in my life. Right. And then the way she, you know, we prayed a lot of gods, like being a Hindu, we have hundreds and thousands of gods. But the whole premise is surrendering yourself, not just when you, you're near in times of need. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, you pray every day, you surround, you're surrendering to things, you're grounding yourself. And a lot of those qualities came from, you know, my mom and my, you know, family. Basically, we do this on a regular basis, right? Yeah, I think it's definitely fascinating. I think one of the keywords that you said was love. And I was hoping you would have brought that keyword up because I wanted to talk about you had a video on Instagram and it was talking about the true meaning of love. So I want you to kind of talk about that because I think those two tie together, believe it or not, at two separate time frames, but I saw the connection between them. Yeah, you know, everything around is around love. I, I'm just giggling because I didn't know that you actually checked my Instagram reels there. Everything surrounds around love, right? And and I actually wrote in one of my books. I call it like five elements of humanity. If you got these five emotions and groundwork right, that's your blueprint. That's your solid foundation. And they are love, kindness, empathy, com- love, kindness, compassion, empathy, forgiveness, and gratitude. You know, you can put compassion and empathy in one group. When you have these taken care of at the emotional level and for yourself, you are really projecting that to the outer world because all these four of them look back to love, right? And you can see love in many forms. Like, you know, when people scream at you because they're not getting what they want, basically they're showcasing love in a different form because they're sad and they didn't get that attention and they're responding in a manner they know how to a respond to the situation, right? Like most often they're reacting, it's not even responding. And and those things we learn as we grow, but 
how many times we're really investing time into mental health and then say, you know, I have a counselor that I can talk to every couple of days. So I'm kind of reshifting some of my childhood trauma and all these relationship trauma that I had into something new, right? So you clean up, you build new beliefs, and that, and that all surrounds around love, like even kindness. When you show kindness, you're telling the person that you're kind, and you're not only showcasing that, but you're already teaching them to be kind to the other people. You know, And most of us, we are kids at heart, no matter what. We're still learning. We're still evolving. And, and I look at it from the same perspective, you know, there's a perfect saying, you know, if you want to be a good parent and teach your kids good values, live up to those values and behave those values. Basically, you know, walk the talk. And that's how kids learn. You can't really give them a rule book and say you have to follow this. But if you're leaving that rule book, basically they observe and they learn. And that's how we all learn as, you know, as an adult kid in a way. And, and that never changes, no matter what culture you come from, religion or backgrounds you are coming from, right? And for whatever reason, I think that love is showcased in different ways because everything is kind of capitalized and commercialized. Like, hey, you know, you love your girlfriend or you love your kids, buy this, buy that, right? It's kind of continuously monetized for the purpose of business and wealth generation. But being aware of it, right? Like, you know, my daughter asked for like a Louis Vuitton bag. She loves it. And I hadn't bought one to her so far. And I told her, is it really worth it, right? What kind of value that's being offered to you, right? So just setting those boundaries, but at the same time, reevaluating your like wealth, right? Okay, you have money, you can afford it. Yes, of course you can buy. But don't try to attach that to by giving this, you are, you know, in love with somebody or you're expressing love in that way. It's much more than that. But a lot of people are limited to see, see that love just at the materialistic love. But, you know, like the simple things that I talked about, kindness and compassion, forgiveness, there's love everywhere. When you forgive somebody, you can really feel for themselves and also for yourself. You feel good about it because you're forgiving yourself because you have a lot of unhealed trauma yourself as well, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the gratitude is the great piece again. Like, what can you be grateful for? You can have a $100 million lifestyle and still not happy, or you can have like $100,000 job and still content, and then you're extremely happy with what you have. But it all comes down to the people around us, the family, the community you live with, and the people that you hang out with. And as long as you have this cover, you really don't have to prove anything to anybody else. And, you know, that's my taking off love. And I'm sure a lot of listeners here would have their own experiences, but it all comes down to how much you care about yourself and how much you care about the people around you. I, I mean, we, we had an offline communication before this, this interview and, and just speaking to you then speaking to you now. And, and, and again, I did my, my due diligence and I did some research. I think for you as a entrepreneur, as a professional you put vulnerability out there, very exposed. I want you to kind of talk about it because I think it was in one of your acceptance speech at Success Summit when you, at the end, you were talking about being vulnerable and it was for the book of The Golden Rule of Success. So I want you to kind of talk about the connection between the chapter you wrote in there and, and what do you define as being vulnerable? So it's being in the digital media space. Like you see a lot of, you know, Instagram, lifestyle 
which is not real in the real life, right? And it's the same all across the platforms. But even before the social media existed, we all hide behind ourselves. Like we wear a mask to please people and we want to be associated with it. That's the human nature, right? Like if during like school days, if the group is hanging out, you get excited and you go there and you want to be part of it. And pretty much you're behaving in a manner that they will accept you into that group, right? But once you grow, you realize what kind of masks that you are wearing and start taking them out one by one. And sometimes it's hard. Like mm. you want to belong to that group, but at the same time, you know, it's like living up to their expectations, right? Like some of the conferences I, I go to, like people pulling in like, you know, Bugattis and all these nice fancy cars. And I know these people are reaching out, but also I know that they're living off of the debt, right? Using the debt to manage their wealth. But how do you live even without those things and still be happy with it, right? Do you really need to showcase yourself in a particular way, right? And I think this is where dressing up for the job comes in, right? You know, for doctors, lawyers, I get it because, you know, if you go to hospital, you want to recognize this is a, uh, this is a nurse or this is a doctor. But being an entrepreneur wearing that cape, I think that cape became the money and because just we're living in the capitalist society. Uh, and how do you change that towards more on the mindset, right? You can be filthy rich, but still grounded, still helping people, still making huge difference. And probably nobody on the internet knows about you, but you're still making huge difference and you're happy with it. And this is where that vulnerability comes in, right? Like sometimes I don't even share anything that I contribute to any of the community causes because I know I'm creating some impact and that's all matters. And if that gives some credibility or exposure, that's fine. But I don't purposefully chase it to have that credibility, right? And, yeah. and these are all vulnerable things because not a lot of people kind of like disclose these. They, their ultimate goal is how do I look good on social media so I'm earning some money, right? And, and how do you take the money out of the equation but look at your purpose and happiness it's a whole other ball game. Hmm. So let me, let's play devil's advocate. I mean, and, and I'm going to use one, one of your statements. And you had finished something and you had said, dream big, share your ideas. But I, I think in that, right, I mean, that can get lost in translation. I mean, if you're telling someone to, to dream big, they may have the perception that they're dreaming big by doing the things that they're doing. How does that transpire into like to what you're talking about as far as being happy and being content versus someone just dreaming big and going after the money or going after the wealth? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm perfect example for myself, right? Like I want all the money that I can have because growing up with like no basic necessities, I just learned that like having the money gives you the respect and everything and you get success and whatnot. But in 2017, I went through a divorce and pretty much I, I lost everything. I started over since then. I was like in shock because everything I wanted is there and I'm pretty close to getting into my retirement. Like I said myself, I want to retire by 50. And then what went wrong, right? Like it's the self-questioning that asking why, what went wrong? That led me into looking at things differently, right? I was dreaming big, but for the sole purpose of making more money and having that success and having the wealth. And after the divorce, the shift is more towards how can 
you share what you know, but in a more compassionate way? How can you be more kind? How can you share the love that you have for the people and, and for yourself as well, right? So when I say dream big and share ideas, you have an idea and it's about how do you bring the people together that has the same ideals and same philosophies? So your dream comes in reality, but in a bigger way. And most often where people get stuck is they get emotional and the ego comes in the way because I want my name on it, right? Like even with Hope for One Million Kids Foundation, I don't promote it, but I personally work other organizations that are focused on these causes. And Hope for One Million Kids Foundation, you never see in the news, never get exposure. Like I said, I'm focusing on what that needs to be solved. But these are the people that already has the groundwork and already doing it. So why do I need to reinvent it? Mm. I have the sources to fund some of these projects and I'm passionate about what I'm doing. Let them do the groundwork because already experts in it, right? Mm. So there is a lot of letting it go that happens. And, you know, when it comes to software, the industry we're in, you know, open source took up way faster than anything else because there are a lot of people working on it and they always innovate, right? I can have like 10 ideas, but think about thousands of people working on the same idea. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's what probably I start approaching in a different way, like, you know, in a protective manner before 2017 versus now. It's all open, making myself on the world, sharing it. And I do get comments and feedback from people that contribute the ideas. Sometimes it's, you know, there's no point responding to these people. Sometimes you do go out, but I never try to change their opinion because their opinion is based on their beliefs that are set and you respectfully agree to disagree. And at the end of the day, all our experiences are so unique and it's not the same for everybody. Hmm. I think it's definitely fascinating because I mean, going back to your TEDx talk, you had made this one line statement that was something that, that resonated with me. You were saying that you were protecting that one pencil in your pocket. And in, in comparison to what you're talking about as far as software and, and having open source is a complete opposite of that, right? It's kind of yeah. like showing that that full spectrum from protecting the one thing that you had to use to create whatever content to then being able to share that content. So it's like now you're giving out pencils versus protecting the pencil. So I want you to kind of talk about that. Exactly. Uh, that, that, that story. Exactly. Like, you know, when you don't have things and I think you just try to protect what you have, you know, it's kind of not from the point of greed, but from the point of fear. Because what if I don't have that food? What if I don't have the pencil? You still want to do things, right? But how do I start sharing the pencil is not something a 15-year-old would know, right? Like, you know, I never looked at things that way at the time. But now I see it totally different. Okay, I have something and I can share it. And it also, you know, I'm so glad that you brought it up because the abundance of things in this world is like so much. I I look at it, everything is infinite now versus limited at the time because all I'm looking at is that one pencil, but I could have shifted my thought. Okay, if I share it, they will share with me, but you do it without expectations. Hey, I have it. I want to help you out, right? But the fear is what was holding me onto that one thing that I had. Now it's different. And I think a lot of these obstacles, you know, the more times you fall, you learn what matters more and you let go a lot of things. So the fear is completely can be 
What is the word I'm looking for? It can be reversed no matter what the situation is. And there, when you focus on the things that, you know, when you create the bigger impact, you always find the ways to work and collaborate with other people and try to mitigate that risks, mm. right? So the thinking is different at the time and thinking is different now. And, and it's been great because it almost feels like going in the floor, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, like 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 painting the picture of of your story, and that's why I like like your your TEDx talk because like you do a real good depiction of where you were, comparison to where you are today. And it's the irony is, is like on your website, there's a tagline, and it's what's your your true potential. So you're a living example of what the true potential c- could look like, even though that you were protecting a pencil and you were poor and you didn't have anything to eat. You, you took all those as, as far as like fuel and even saying that your mom was, was a mentor and an inspiration to you, you took all that as a ball of energy and it could have been completely negative, but you turned it into a positive. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think, again, it's all the fear reactions, right? That's what most people have. But when you have the right mindset, you look things differently. And I don't think like there is a right or wrong in this world. It's just about looking at it and say, can I accept this or I can't accept this, right? These are, but these are my ground values. But for a lot of us, we don't have those ground values set, Mm. you know, at the emotional level and how you want to respond to the society and how you want to build our relationships or even like, you know, with my own family. So once the groundwork is done, you, you kind of have that crystal ball for yourself on how you want to react and or respond to things, and sometimes even not to respond to these things, right? And and this all came from all the lessons, you know, like we we are humans, we make mistakes and you learn from it and you move on. But use that lesson to make it better for everybody. So, I mean, I think that this is kind of like the segue point, because I mean, on one side, we've been talking about one aspect to your brain and you and I both, when we had that first conversation, we both quickly realized that we're half analytical and we're half creative. So mm-hmm. let, let's, let's switch it off to the other side for a little bit. And let's talk about like, like the creation of your, your agency. Like, how did you even get into that space considering that you're such a mindful person and you, you talk about mindful, you talk about mental healing, you talk about love. But at the same time, you're you're a tech guy. <laughs> you know, it's it's the now we're talking about. Like everybody sees that, you know, mindset monk and how much mature I am when I'm thinking whatnot. And I hear this all the time. But I tell them this is like 40 years in the making, right? Yeah. Like since you're five-year-old, you start learning. And with the business side of the things, I was a programmer. I was really hesitant to meet people very introverted, sit behind the desk, and I coded things for the day, and I'm done, and not even going out to any networking events and whatnot. But thankfully, I had some mentors, even at the agency I first worked at, and it's definitely part of like iProspect Group and Denture Media. And the the managers that I work with or the director, they're very cooperative and understanding, and they taught me because 
you know, I moved from India to UK and I need to learn new culture and whatnot. They really helped me to peel those onion layers, right? It's okay to do certain things, right? I wasn't even drinking at that time, like touching a beer. Oh my God, it's a sin, right? So that's my belief system. So there are certain things I learned. And then I started exploring more of myself and I stayed curious and it all of a sudden it became like a chess game right? You know, you move your pawn forward or you use your horse, whatever that is, you're making a tactical decision, and that's using your analytical brain. And you had an idea and you want to implement it. But when I started my agency, I was still as an employee, right? Like managing a department. So I have no clue about how the business works, even though I did learn some basics of economics and accounting and whatnot. It's Learning is one thing and applying those techniques as a business, it's totally different ballgame. So I, I took like nine, 10 months really evaluating the idea. Okay, you know, moving from England to Canada, there's an opportunity here to start an agency because nobody's doing what we're doing back home. So I, I started researching. I did, I used the business canvas model. Uh, I love that. And if there are any entrepreneurs out there, they can use that to really evaluate what the market is, what the idea is, and then validate the idea with the real focus groups. And then I came up with, okay, now I can set up a company around the idea that I have. So I'm not going to be just a programmer, but I have no skills around sales. So I have no skills on HR or finance. So how do, do I learn those things? You know, we we can be a lawyer, doctor, and, you know, controller at the same time. So it made perfect sense to bring those people in, either part-time or contract, or even one-off to have proper agreements in place for the success of the company. And I'm sure you know that's like 90% of the companies die within the first five years. So I want to cross that five-year mark. That was my first goal. I want to survive this five-year mark. So... I was hiring these people, set up the company, and thankfully, I think the integrity and the knowledge that I have at the time came in handy because people start trusting me mm-hmm. in a new location where I didn't even grow up. So my first project, that client is still with us to date, right? After 14 years. So I, I should say 12 because I was just consulting before Haraway Media Works. And that kind of like, builds upon itself, right? Like people know when they go to Krishna, okay, he gives you what exactly you want, right? If there is something that's not possible within the budgets, they know he's telling the truth, right? Once you have the integrity and truthfulness and honesty built in the business, there's nothing that can change it. There might be a hundred other agencies competing for the same work, but they know this guy gets the results and his team is great. And that's our solid foundation for the company. And no matter what company you start, the challenge is different, right? Like when you make the first $100,000, right? When you make the first half a million dollars or a million dollars, there is a startup phase and then there is scalable, scalable tissues. And then you'll want to be like in the ultra scale, scaled and, you know, $100 million plus range. But where I really want to be is have a comfortable lifestyle, have freedom, have a lot of time with my friends and family. And retire early so I can focus on more time on to the nonprofits, right? So my goal wasn't like $100 million or $20 million, right? My goal was modest in terms of how I wanted to do this, but I'm passionate about it. And 
I tie my purpose behind it. So I'm using my work with the agency to help nonprofits, like we give away pro bono websites and whatnot. And then that automatically transfers into some business, right? So when it comes came to the point of scalability, I never learned anything. And this is the time I started hiring mentors, like have a business coach very specifically focused on our industry, right? Like have a HR person that reviews these contracts year on year basis. So we are adopting to the labor laws in the British Columbia, right? So having that right people and network change a lot of things, right? So the agency was very successful in terms of where we are and how we have done over the years. And then I thought, okay, you know, I have done enough. And I, then I moved on to writing the books and the documentaries and whatnot, because I know that was my goal. And I definitely was the person at some point have a goal and also move the goal because, you know, I already smashed it. So I want to move the goal. I want more. I want more, right? At some point, we want to be grateful for what we have and say, I'm very thankful with everything. And this is my goal. And I'm moving on to the next phase in life. And this is where the brain comes in too. Like earlier, you asked me the right brain and left brain approach. It's really interesting how they both work together. You know, one being completely analytical and one being creative. And I never focused on my creative brain because I was an analytical thinker and I love numbers. That's why I became a programmer. But as soon as I start learning about the creative side of the brain, I just start focusing on that. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to what your ground values are, who you are, right? And you train your brain to be in that way. Hmm. I think it's definitely fascinating. I mean, one of the things that, that you said that I want to bring up and kind of goes back to the left brain, right brain is the, the lean canvas or the business model canvas, right? And I think mm -hmm. people that, that really understand that model, understand that canvas, it's usually people that are, are equally yoked, right? Because again, analytical thinking to fill out all the different sectors of that. If you're talking about your your your, your value proposition, if you're talking about your your channels of communication or your revenue streams, all that you have to put that data in. But on the back end side of it, it's visual. It's a visual representation to kind of see the creative aspect of an overview to kind of get a like a, a top down looking down to see, okay, where are my holes in my business and what's not working? So for you, I definitely see how that works for you. And obviously you, you're successful because of that model. Yeah. You, you want to find balance, right? Like even um, I read a lot of books on neuroplasticity, right? Like how our brain evolves in terms of learning and then how do you use your ideas you know execute them in in real life the beauty is even though the ideas are being created in a way like we think it's coming from our brain but a lot of new research shows that you know we all vibrate at certain frequencies and when you're tuning to certain frequency the thought of something comes into your mind so the ideas are not even being created in your brain they are out floating at different frequencies. And when you tune yourself into that, it's like a radio, right? Then you're really connecting to that. And then where did that came from? Probably we don't know that. But is that really making a difference, right? Why did that come to my mind? And what is the purpose of it? And asking those right questions. Hmm. So let's talk about you, right? As a personal, like a personal being, right? I want you to be to define yourself in three to five words. And again, I think you're going to have to pull from both sides, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and pull them together. So if you only pick three to five, which three to five words would define you? 
You know, definitely creative, let's call balanced, make sure I'll put the introvert in the last. <laughs> some parts of me still tells me like, I just don't hang out with people randomly. I had to know them first. Makes sense. Makes sense. So going back to like, like the story of your TED talk, you was talking about you as a kid and obviously now you're an adult. How long did it take you or how many years have you been perfecting where you are right now? How long did it take you to get to where you are? Oh, there is no time, man. It's it's an ongoing thing, right? Because every time you think you're ready, there's something else happens trying to teach you something, right? So the perfect example is, you know, in my case, I had a list of things that I wanted in my life when I was like between 15 and 17, like having that nice clothes or having that bicycle and whatnot. I made a list of things, how I want to see myself, right? Like even at that time, I want to go abroad. You know, I was 17, but I was thinking about going abroad. And again, that part of my life when I moved abroad. So I call that the seed. And once the seed starts floating, because I look at it, you're experiencing the real world because you're in your mid-20s and you start seeing life and you're part of the society that you were never part of it because most often our parents took care of a lot of things. So you're kind of growing like a small tree and then you're becoming bigger and bigger. But then when you see all these branches, these are all the things that happen to us, right? So there is some obstacle, there is another branch, that's a lesson, right? And then there's flowers and the fruits comes out of it. And that's what you are kind of leaving for the next generations. Like those seeds will sprout for somebody else. That's why, that's why a lot of times like I make myself vulnerable to share these things. Don't be afraid of taking risks. Okay, if there is something else happens, think of that there is a solution already exists. I mean, that's how the world works in general, because there is a problem, there's a solution. Yin and yang, dark and light, it's always there. It's just about what extreme you're looking at to find the solution, right? Mm -hmm. And this all comes from the mental state, right? You can be on the extreme side, you know, in distress and depression, which most of us are. And, and sometimes like we fake it, like we are perfect, but we're yep. not. But try to bring that into the middle, right? I always look at it as, as an infinity. So one side kind of like darkness, one side on the light. And how do you try to balance it? Like, you know, bring it to the middle. And so you're kind of more in an enlightened state, right? So you know how to balance things. And I think having that clarity, I was meditating and I was fascinated by Kundalini during my teen years because, okay, when you meditate, there's this big snake surrounds you and then it just kind of gives you the powers to do whatever you want. <laughs> and trust me with this one, I'm sure if you know any of these epic stories of Ramayana and Bhagavad Gita and Mahabharata, they are like, you know, true lessons of history left from our ancestors. And every story teaches about good winning over evil. But to accomplish that, they use these, you know, chants or mantras to say like, you know, yes, they say a mantra and there is a fire in their hand or they can bring the storms just by saying words, right? It's almost like Shazam and something else happens, right? So I was fascinated by those. I'm like, okay, is that real? Does that really happen? But I still haven't discovered that part of it yet, but I know that meditation really helped me to balance my brain and also 
things right in terms of you know being fair and being kind to people. So, and, so from your meditation, is that why you came up with the name the Mindset Monk? Like, how did that come to fruition? Well, Mindset Monk, it's like what I see with people. As soon as they say like Monk, they think about you leave everything and you're living in the caves and you don't have any relationship with the external world. But the mindset is the key to be whatever you want. And you don't have to live that way because even living in the society, you still be what happened here. It's like your, your audio changed, but you're still, still clear. Can you, can you hear me? All right. Yep. Okay. Let me just take these out for some reason. They just got disconnected. I don't want them switching them over. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. That's the name of podcasting. Thinking about the mindset mark. So living in a way, whatever suits you is still a journey. And everybody has a unique journey. And that all revolves around mindset. So the reason for the mindset monk is you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor, even you're homeless, you have a journey. And that's basically dictated by your mindset. But how do you live like a monk in the sense you have a balance in between what you're experiencing from the society, what you want, and how you're connected to the God, right? Like when we look at any of these epic books or even Bible, God doesn't see the difference between good and bad. Somebody did something bad doesn't mean God will go and punish them. But they find the people that already experienced the law can take care of them. Right. That is where we read and that is where we go and lend our hands for the people in need. And that is where the mindset mind come, comes from, because I don't want people just thinking you had to go and live in the caves when you think about a monk. You can be in the society, you can make a difference and you can still be part of everything that's happening around us. And, and I think that basically stems from Bhagavad Gita. And this is where Lord Krishna said, I can exist in, in many forms and I can exist in nothing, but everything comes from nothing and I also become something and also comes back to nothing. And this is where we believe in the reincarnations and the life cycles. And in one lifetime, you can exist in different states of what you want to be, right? And each one of them has a different mindset. But again, how can you be grounded no matter what you're after, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely a fascinating philosophy. And, and and that kind of leads me to like, you're an astute person and you're talking about these different philosophies. You're talking about mindset. You're talking about coding. Obviously, you're, you, I would think, and I, I can be guessing wrong, you read a lot of books or you uh, consume a lot of content. So yeah. what books would you want to recommend for someone that may want to step into your shoes one day? Like books that you remember reading that helped you to become who you are? I think I, everybody needs to pick a book around the God, right? Whether it's Bible, Quran, or Bhagavad Gita. Like these are ancient scriptures and we're still exploring them and there's a lot that we still can't comprehend those things, right? Like you don't have to really understand these things. You just read it and then there are the frequencies that you will attract just by reading it. You don't even have to understand it, right? And the second thing is to actually live in the society. You have to learn the principles of the society, right? So there are a lot of books on the business and I love anything that kind of combines a little bit of science and then also has a real life examples of what happened, right? And my entrepreneurial inspiration came from Sir Richard Bronson's Screw It and Let's Do It, that book, right? And 
it, he really wrote down what are the challenges that he went through with British Airways and whatnot and how he built that Virgin brand. That was my first book. And then I basically picked some books around digital marketing industry. And there is a company called Blue Lithium and Yahoo acquired that business for $300 million. And that company was built by 17-year-old kid out of his bedroom making millions of dollars. And his name is Gurbak Shahal. I think the book is called The Dream or something like that. You can look it up. And that gave me an understanding of how do you really make money in the new internet world and how advertising works, right? So whatever the you know passion they have, they want to pick some business books and some that's associated with very specific to the industry industry niche, right? And then for business operations and whatnot, you know, like why, you know, the book, why? And that gave me clarity on a lot of things. And I use those principles all the day. And Stephen Kotler's, I forgot the book name, but kind of combines the neuroplasticity for business success. Very fascinating book. And they have the blueprints that we can use as well. And I read about 20 books a year, approximately between 14 to 20. I listen or I read or I watch a lot of these podcasts. I try to have a mix of some business and some personal growth and foundations, right? So from the personal growth point of view, I mean, everybody loves Oprah and there is Deepak Chopra that, you know, talks about spirituality all the time. And uh, Robin Sharma's, you know, the monk who sold his Ferrari, that really inspired me to look at things differently. And I think maybe mindset monk has some inspiration from there as well. Right, you can be on the beach in Hawaii and living in a hut, but you might have millions of dollars. But that's what you really enjoy, like you know, being in that now. And uh, recently, I start, you know, reading some of the, you know, women-focused books, like you know, the Awakening Shakti is a book that I'm reading right now. And I think as a society, there's there are a lot of things that are different, like even in India, right? Like Queen is who makes the decisions. I mean, not the queen from British, but your wife or the queen of the kingdom. But eventually that's all changed and the kings became kings and there's kind of imbalance between what you're really doing in this world. And some of these books have what was the originality of the meaning of Shakti, the you know, queen or the power, the goddess, and how that's kind of transferred into, you know, male and others and just making courts with different situations in life right this is where you know when you have a perfect partner uh, you really know you have a type of energy and she has a different type of energy and there are some overlaps but you're working together a lot of things together right you inspire each other hmm. um, so i i i read like a whole spectrum of books and sometimes i don't even remember them i just go back and review them like, you know, Wayne Dyer's books and forgetting my favorite, Joe, Joe Disperza, you know, he talks about the chakras and mindset a lot. Michael Singer, Heart of Financial Soul, like a lot of great books and wisdom out there. And I think just picking those books and reading over the time, what happens is it's the same concepts experience, explained and experienced through different people. So you will have a basic groundwork after some point after reading X amount of books. Hmm. So, of books right. I, I think that definitely fascinated that, that 
again, because you, you write books as well, too. So I want you to kind of talk about, like, how did you get in contact with Jack Canfield and the book that you guys created, which was like the big secret? Like, how did that book come to fruition? So, you know, I had some friends that took Jack Canfield's programs and they were always inviting me like, you know, you should go, you should go, right? That was back from 2008, 2010, but I never had the money to go and do a five-day in-person course with him. And finally, that happened in 2015 or 2016. That was in Scottsdale. It's called Breakthrough to Success, one of his flagship programs. And I was so fascinated the models he came up with and explaining how the law of attraction and law of manifestations work. And I really created my own blueprint for myself. What is that? How can I, you know, use meditation and visualizations to make those things into a reality? So since 2015, I have seen him on and off or even like in 2020 and 2021, I volunteered on some of his programs. So once you go to BTS, all those amazing people around you there, you know, there's a Facebook group. We always exchange ideas or support each other. I met some amazing heart-centered people. Mm-hmm. And that relation never goes away. So when I was actually working on my book, and then it's taking me forever, and one of my friends introduced me to a publisher. Okay, we're working on a book with Jack Canfield. Would you want to be part of it? I'm like, great. I mean, it's a self-published book. It's very similar to all those soul soup series books, right? So it has different stories from different people, but it's all about talking about your own experiences. And the big secret, my chapter was uh, Secret Power Pursuance. You know, I talked about how I pursue to be where I am today. Uh, And it's a great read. And there are a lot of other, I think eight or nine other people that shared their life as well in that book. So I mean, Going off of that, about the pursuit, right? And it's kind of like the pursuit of happiness and just the general pursuit. Where are you seeing what you're doing right now as far as the outcome 20 years from now? It's all the impact, right? Like we not necessarily need to know what it would look like and where it's impacting, right? Because sometimes we help somebody and the person is going and helping a lot of other people. You might not even be aware of it, but sometimes you get to notice them because of something I did, this person inspired from it. It feels good. But again, that's kind of like ego-based approach, right? I want to do things because I want to feel good about it, right? Like when you take that out and you just kind of selflessly doing things, miracles do happen. And I think history has a lot of people like, you know, from Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and, you know, Mother Teresa, everybody has you know showed a way for us like how to live and how to give back you know one way or other right can be politics it can be hospitals it can be leading nation it's all different but the fundamentals all coming down to how can you be grounded and give towards a purpose and you know use your passion to give selflessly so i mean just going from that and you're giving back if you can give someone words of wisdom words of insight what words would you deliver to someone to help them to progress in life, much like you have? I mean, obviously, wealth is part of it, but more so, we talked about love, we talked about inspiration, we talked about mindset, we talked about caring and healing. What insight would you give to someone? It's the people around you, right? Like I tell everybody, make sure you have five people that no matter what, they will be there for you 
but also understands where you're going, right? And this is where Dream Big comes from, right? How many times you and I have an idea and we share with our immediate family and close friends, they all like, yeah, you know, I don't think that's a great idea, right? It Sometimes it comes from the fear. Like, you know, when I shared my business, like with my parents, they were like, no, this is not something we have done before, right? It's the fear. But understanding that, okay, that's great. But find those people that align with your values and have that network of people. And these people, no matter what, you can look at them, they do something amazing and that inspires you, right? Whether through giving back or creating a documentary or writing a book or, you know, investing in another company, whatever that is, you're kind of leaning onto each other, right? So like I have a visual for this, literally, like, you know, somebody tried to climb up the wall by himself and then there's like 20 people holding a, a trampoline cloth underneath. And you're kind of, every time you come down, you're always going up no matter what, because you trust these people that are holding down the fort for you, right? Yeah, and that, family, friends, and you know, your, your team, but have those core people in each area of, of life that you want to grow into. Yeah, and that's, you know, the fundamentals for no matter what. And then, you know, acquiring knowledge and, you know, finding money, they all come, you know, afterwards. It's not like a lot of people think, I'm starting a business, I need money. But take it two, two steps back, have the right people around you, your network is your net worth, and then find ways through these people to solve the problem, and then money will follow. I think you brought up a key word throughout this this entire conversation, and you said it a couple of times. So I want to kind of compile that and bring it up so you have opportunity to talk about that. You talk about documentary a couple of different times. So mm -hmm. I want you to kind of talk about, I think it's the name of it is Dreamer or Dreamer Film or something along those lines. I want you to kind of talk about what's the premise of that and how is that stemming from what you're doing right now? So it's, again, going back to how do I inspire more people with their dreams, right? So the Dreamer has people that, has already proven themselves in different areas of life, right? This opportunity came through my publisher. He said, hey, you know, you have done any books. You know, there's this new opportunity. There's no rich on investment. It's purely purpose-based project. I'm like, okay, sign me up. And I didn't even know who is that going to be part of it. I mean, I have a vague idea, but you had to travel, meet these people, arrange those. And the stories that were shared in that documentary are people from XPRIZE Foundation, right? Everybody knows Peter Demandis and Anushan Sari. And, you know, just talk about Peter Demandis. He started XPRIZE Foundation and some of these companies that are, you know, investing is not the right word, but inspiring the technological changes by giving away a prize, right? They say, I have $10 million. If anybody come up with an idea to go 100 meters into the space, right? That is where the SpaceX was born, right? I don't know the 100 meters or whatever that details, but that is where the SpaceX is born, like just from that one idea. And they have many ideas like that. And Peter Demandis was the guy, right? He has a book that's called Moonshot, Great Read, right? How do you solve problems that are unsolvable? <laughs> and it's, it's a great book. And Anushan Sari, she has a technology company and then she always wanted to go to the moon, right? Being an Iranian Muslim woman, you know, of course, it's like you can't do it and it's impossible. But she's the space tourist, huh. right? And 
those stories and connecting their own dots inspired me. And even just sitting there and listening when it's all being filmed and whatnot, what you see in the film is kind of like, you know, 10 minutes or so or 15 minutes for each person. But like we were spending like two, three hours. So we're learning a lot about business and how these people work and how their stories turn into something extraordinary, right? Like Navin Jain is one of the the people like he has a short clip in there he's a great guy has a couple of multi-billion dollar companies and start from nothing jessica cox like you know she doesn't have arms but she can fly a plane right so she kind of flew against the all arts and got that you know the permissions and requirements got changed to anybody that doesn't have the arms can fly as well right like she facilitated the path for other people so as uh, seth Godin. You know, everybody in marketing knows Seth Godin. I don't want to talk about him much. And there are clips of like Sir Richard Bronson and uh, Giovanni Marcico, right? And there's one person, uh, Dean Kamen. You know, Segway scooters, right? Like those Segway scooters, like, oh, yeah, know, yeah, just, yeah. right? So he's the inventor of Segway scooters, but he's a college dropout that has 400 patents. And he wanted to create inspired kids to use science and technology. So he has his own foundation that's called FAST for inspiration of science and technology. That's a $70 million foundation that's conducting competitions in various cities and encouraging kids to inspire towards technology, right? So bringing the stories of all these amazing people and even sitting down and talking to them in different ways, like, you know, one person is into the space and technology, one person was talking about marketing, one person was talking about community building, and one person was talking about how do you change the rules for somebody and pay the way for other people. And Lisa Nicholas, you know, she's she's a goddess in, you know, mental wellness and whatnot. And she did share a lot of her story when we are discussing, like, what really helped her to be where she is today. So, you know, my story is unique for myself and all these stories has some common grounds of becoming something extraordinary no matter where you're in life, right? Like we all have those adversities, right? Like even with my own thinking, I will give you an example. I used to think the world is biased. I don't have the same opportunities opportunities as a rich kid. I don't have same opportunities as somebody living in a well-empowered country. Right. But all those are the self negative talk I was telling myself. But I changed that. Like, no matter what you are looking at people like Gandhi or in technology like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, you can create something. And the dreamer is the stories of the people that I mentioned and how they overcome all hurdles and became something extraordinary. So, I mean, and, with, with that, I mean, it just seems like you had such. To your example, you said earlier about the branches forking off and, and growing flowers. You have such opportunity to meet and greet so many different people. If you had an opportunity to select one person to spend 24 hours with, whether that person was alive today or not, who would you pick and why? I would definitely choose like Marty Luther King. I don't know much about him except the history and, you know, some of the podcasts that I listen to watch. I don't know. There's some kind of fascinating fascination around the work he did and how he inspired people i think you know i'm a capricorn right like i'm a goat i want to 
find the biggest challenge and find solution to that, right? Yeah. I think that's where my fascination comes from. You know, he would be the person that I want to go and spend 24 hours and learn as much as I can and <laughs> just to use it to change the governments again now. <laughs> I'm not saying that out yeah. loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that you're such an inspirational person. Let's say on the other end, there's someone listening to this podcast and they want to get in contact with you or they want to find out more information about you where where can we send them like my website is great like like in any.com l-a-k-k-i-n-e-n-i.com or on my instagram at v-k like in any l-a-k-k-i-n-e-n-i and i love to help as many people as possible right like they can drop a dm or make a comment just try my best to be there so, I mean, obviously with all your achievements that you've made so far, right? I mean, obviously you made dozens of them. Which one is your most significant one to date? Uh, you know, the accomplishments, success and wealth, they're all one side, but I always look at my personal joy and happiness, mm. which always comes from my family and my friends, right? Like I was trying to trade off my time to create things so I can claim my time back and I can have that happiness. And and at the end of the day, it's the mental piece. Like I can go to bed at night and I don't have anything to worry about. And honestly, I can put my hand on my heart and say, I have done enough and I'm grateful for this life and wake up the next day and repeat, right? And that feeling, none of these accomplishments or wars can really trade off. And that's something very personal to me. And I think we all look up to, you know, ourselves and say, what is that really important, right? Like when you don't have the mental peace, really there's nothing that can balance that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's insightful. Like, like earlier when I was giving you the nickname, it was like so many different things I could have went with. I could have went with like the monk, the mindset monk. It was so many different variables. It, it was just kind of like so difficult to give you an actual nickname, to be honest with you. But I definitely, I, I feel inspired by you. I definitely feel motivated. I would think the the listener that's listening right now, kind of hearing your story from you know, obviously talking about the picture with you and your uncle on the bike with a cow in the background to where now you're, you're writing books with, with, you know, famous authors and you're being showcased on TEDx and all these different things. It, it, it's not a rags to riches. It, it's coming from thinking big and seizing opportunities is the way I like to look at your story. Yeah, no, thank you for that. It's, you know, there's there are things that are much more deeper than that. Like, you know, this is how it looks like. But now I see everything around me is energy, you, I, and the dusk, right? Like we're all different frequencies vibrating in a particular form or just as an energy. And I think that energy can be God. That's kind of like we're in that atmosphere, right? Like think about the universe as a whole, like we're that stardust, tiny specks. But what is common between all of us is the consciousness and different experiences. And this is where the consciousness that's connecting to the universe, you know, are we... You know, sometimes people say you're a child of God, that you're here to experience something. But again, like, what is my purpose and living that purpose and taking that experience with me and be very grateful for this life? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, so so with that, I mean, you're you're a fellow podcaster. And the way I like to close out my show is I like to give someone that I'm interviewing an opportunity to become the host of my show. So now the Boston Cage show is yours. You're interviewing me. What questions do you have for me? Oh, like, you know, one thing I noticed, you're, you know, thoroughly researched my background and checked out a lot of things. And I 
And I like how you remember a lot of things, like the details. Like I'm not that kind of detail-oriented person. I'm organized, but not the detail-oriented person. Like what, what is the secret to that? Like, you know, when you're in the podcast and remembering those key points and trying to find the clothes and getting more content out of the guests. So it goes back to this book that I, I forgot the name of the book, but it's, it's, it's referencing to the memory palace. So it's associating bits of pieces of memories into a visual representation into like a building or something structured like that. So for mm -hmm. me, with you early on, when I did the research, I was like, okay, I'm walking into a farm. I see, see you sitting on the bike. I see the cow. I see your mom. And then, you know, we maybe we turn right and then I'm seeing you on stage holding the trophy. And then you're talking about with I think I forgot the girl's name because the problem with the memory pals is difficult for me to remember names, but it's very easy for me to memorize the visuals. So like when you're talking, then all I have to do is go into that memory palace right then and there and pull up that content because you give me the visual cue. Like for you, you kept on doing visual cues the entire time. You were saying love. And I was like, oh yeah, let me talk about that love in, in that room. And I would bring that love up and that equation, that, that conversation would then go from you saying love. No, that's amazing. You know, it's almost like playing Minecraft in our own minds and visualizing this right. thing, right? No, that's beautiful. I, I took some Dale Kennedy courses and they tell you how to remember the names and situations. But this is the first time I'm uh, learning something new about, you know, visualizing the whole story, right? Yeah, I, I mean, for me as a podcaster, it just, it just makes so much sense because it, it, it you're telling someone's story. But if you do your due diligence, you have to kind of take these pictures and, and, and they're going to be jumbled until you can kind of insert them at the right point. I just can't go off the script. Because I don't know where this conversation is going to go. So I have to kind of keep them fresh in my memory until I need them. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, it's 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 great. I think I, I did listen to a couple of your podcasts. So they're all amazing and different stories. And uh, one day you and I can jump on Live to Inspire and I get to be on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely look forward to it, man, by all means. I listened to a couple, a couple of your episodes as well, too. And I think... Like you're really big on mindset and it's just, I think the episode I listened to, I forgot her name, but she had on a red hat and she was talking about an entire family that committed suicide. And it was just like so engulfing for her to kind of talk about that story. It was just definitely inspiring. So I definitely, I would love to be on your, your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't set any dates, but I'm sure I will reach out to you. Great. Great. I mean, with that, I mean, I definitely, I love having you on, on the episode today. It was, it was definitely a breath of fresh air. It, and we talked about business, but it, we really didn't talk about business. And we really talked about like, like mindset a hundred percent. And how does that really make you a better person? And also how does that better person then become a better leader? And how does that leader then become wealthy? So that, I think that's kind of like the depiction of what you have definitely illustrated this entire conversation. Yeah. It's all about the being a leader in your own way. Right. And then can be attached to a career or that can be attached to an entrepreneurship or whatever you want in life. But I think we cover the basic foundations of what the mindset should be and how, you know, somebody can set rules around what they want in life. Very cool. Well, I definitely appreciate it. And I, I'm sure my audience does as well. So S.A. Grant, over and out. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another empowering episode of Boss Uncaged, where we've explored the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, harnessed the power of digital marketing, and embraced the journey of building impactful brands. As we wrap up this episode, I want to express my deepest gratitude to our incredible guests, listeners, and the entire Boss Uncaged community. 
Your dedication to unlocking your potential and conquering the business realm has made this podcast a dynamic hub of inspiration and knowledge. Throughout the Boss Uncaged journey, we've delved into exclusive interviews, shared strategies, and celebrated success stories from founders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives. It's been a roller coaster of insights, lessons, and triumphs, and I hope you found valuable takeaways to apply in your own entrepreneurial endeavors. Whether we've tackled challenges together, explored the vast landscape of diverse media platforms, or uncovered the secrets to dominating in business, your commitment to the Boss Uncaged spirit has been truly inspiring. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, like leave a positive five-star review and share the Boss Uncaged podcast to continue elevating the business game. The Boss Spirit runs free and we're always ready to amplify your entrepreneurial journey with extra resources at bossuncaged.com. Before we sign off, remember that Boss Uncaged is more than just a podcast. It's the heartbeat of the Boss Uncaged educational network and omni-media. It's a vision brought to life by the Uncaged boss in all of us. Thank you for being part of this incredible ride. Stay hungry, stay focused, and keep conquering the business realm. Subscribe, like, and share now to keep the Boss Uncaged spirit alive. Boss Uncaged.